listening to Radio Level 5. Yeah, welcome. Uh, we are sitting here to do another interview for Level 5, artists of Level 5 interviewing artists of Level 5, to put it that way, uh, which is part of the yeah um, preparatory time, let's say, um, of the Open Studios, which are taking place uh, in, on the 6th of and 7th of November, which is the Friday and the Saturday. And um, yeah, as part of that, we wanted to get to know a bit more about our um, companions in Level 5. And today we're doing an interview with Emma van der Bütt. Hello, Emma. Hello. And we, that is, uh, yeah. Was from the notes. Hi, Bas. And Olaf Winkler, that's me. And um, it's a special interview in a certain way because we will very quickly do a tiny bit of explanation to a piece of music that we will hear afterwards. And then I will take approximately seven minutes, is it like that? Yeah. And then afterwards we will talk a bit more about not only the music, but especially the film that uh, this music is part of. It's kind of a soundscape rather than a song. And... Um, yeah, this piece of music will be well, will be played live on 11th of October, that is, in Ghent. And yeah, maybe Emma, you as a... Do you consider yourself as a filmmaker? We had this discussion before yeah. with Chloe. Uh, as an art artist, I always work with video. Yeah. Um, but there is a beautiful French word for it, videast. <laughs> so maybe, uh, yeah. Yeah. But okay. video is my medium. Yeah. So this yeah. is part of the soundscape uh, belonging to a video that you made, which is 26 minutes approximately, I think. Yeah. And maybe you can tell us a tiny bit about the video, then we listen to the music, and then afterwards we'll talk about it a bit more and about your work in general. So maybe you can tell us what this video is about, so we can tiny bit place the soundscape that we will listen to. Yeah, so we'll listen to... Uh a piece of music from the film Mall of Europe, uh, a film I made in 2018, for which I filmed the um, former World Fair site of Brussels, uh, the Expo site. Um, and I got interested in this uh, specific area because it's about to be renovated um, in the coming years. And I wanted to look into the, uh, the echoes of history that can be found in the place uh, right now, but also looking at the um, projected future, which is being presented there in the form of different architectural renderings. Yeah, maybe for people who don't know Brussels too well, uh, the first expo that was there, there were several world expos at the beginning of the 20th century, end of the 19th century it started, but the first one that was presented there was not the 58, but in 35. Yeah. So um, if you go to the place today, you will find relics of the architecture of 1935 and of 58, of course, with the Atomium as the most known part of it. Exactly. And uh, then, yeah, the future plans are also playing part of your, of your film. And the music is, or the soundscape is not by you yourself, you collaborated with somebody. Exactly, yeah. So for me, it was the first time I collaborated with a, uh, a musician to make a score for a film. And um, in this collaboration, I asked uh, Maxime Rocard to uh, compose the music for the film. So we're about to listen to uh, Maxime Rocard's composition. 
Okay, thank you very much. And then we listen to it and afterwards we talk. Yes.
So here we are again, and uh, thanks for listening. Um, Emma, I'm uh, curious, like uh, what we just listened to, and um, also uh, thinking of your previous works, uh, because I also saw other works, and uh, the role of sound is often uh, differently. Um, can you tell us something about uh, how you came to this, and uh, where it started, and yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, so, um, like I said in the beginning, I always work with video, but I've always also been quite cautious with the, the use of sound. Um, many of my works don't even have sound. Um, and in other cases, I worked on uh, the sounds that are present in the locations that I film. Uh, maybe I can mention that my films always depart from uh, a certain location, which I follow for a longer time. Um, and my beginning approach is quite documentary. Um, I make lots of uh, observations in the space and also collect sounds there. But then for this film, um, 
in which I chose to uh, uh, not make moving images, but actually work from photographs that I took. Uh, so still images that I added into uh, almost like a, a cinematic slideshow. Um, I became interested in uh, yeah, seeing what I could do in a collaboration with sound. Uh, and that's why I uh, approached Maxime. Mm -hmm. And did you already finish the film more or less and then he made a soundscape? to go with it or did you work together on proceedings? Or? Yeah, yeah. so that was really nice that we uh, have been working together the whole uh, production time. So for this film, uh, I was filming for almost a year on this location. So it was quite a, a long-term project. And um, at many different stages while filming, I showed him material. And so he reacted to the images that I showed him. Um, and so we've been actually like growing together, uh, uh, towards like the final. Did you react bit. to his sound as well? In yeah. Cutting, editing, filming maybe? Exactly. So in the end, um, Maxime actually created a whole database of, uh, of different pieces of music, sometimes also only sounds. Um, and I, edited it in my uh, final montage, um, which was interesting because sometimes he made a certain sound or piece of music for specific images, but I didn't know that exactly. And sometimes I would put them exactly at that place, but sometimes also in a different place, um, which he thought was interesting as well, because then it almost feels like an echo from something you saw before. Uh, and that the sound is not necessarily always super linked to the images. Um, and did you always uh, tell him what you want or did you give him creative freedom and let things grow from there? Yeah. Yeah. So in a way I gave him carte blanche, but in the first meetings we um, became aware that because he's really, yeah, he's a musician. He plays in different bands. He makes music for theater uh, companies. Um, but his music was quite, um, yeah, you could say maybe also narrative or it had, um, melodic qualities and, and we really felt we had to tone it down a bit or like, um, we had to fine tune the right balance between, uh, the dominance of the images and the dominance of the music. Um, and in the end, I also chose to, uh, let the music, um, go to the background in a way, like there are parts of the film that are silent. Um, but then when a music part is introduced again, uh, I wanted to emphasize this interaction. Mm -hmm. And I think by not having music the whole time, um, it makes you aware as well that it's, these are different um, forces that mm -hmm. can work together or separate a bit again. And the way it will be presented uh, the, on the 11th of October, how it will be exactly presented there? Like, uh, will it be lively played or? Um... Yeah. Yeah. So Maxime will do a, a live set um, with, I guess, a lot of different instruments and also the electronic uh, uh, loops and, um, and he will uh, rework on the composition that he made for the film. So, 
certain themes are the same, but I think he will also expand from that. But the film itself will not be there, right? So yeah, the film will be there as well. Ah, the film will yeah. Be there. So the film will be screened and the music will be played live. Ah, okay. So it's yeah. like a, like one of these old mute films, yeah. a bit like that. Oh, okay. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. Yeah. And because I'm curious, uh, because you use more often sound, uh, we just said before in your videos, but do you actually ever use sound? Uh, of the image we're actually looking at, because I know from your previous films it's not uh, always one on one. Exactly. Do you ever use like one on one? Not much. No. no. Only when it's really uh, necessary. Um, but I think I also like to play with this. You have the specific location, but also play with a certain feeling of dislocation, or, um, and I think. This soundscape creates another space around the images as well, mm -hmm. um, and that's yeah what I like. So it's um, it's not so much this mm. yeah. And because I think it's also in the, in the sound piece, but in general also in your videos, it's this uh, process of almost slowing down also the image, like like you really uh, take time to look at it. Um, uh, where comes this need from to the, to the slowing down process? Also in the model of Europe, it's, mm -hmm. it's like you really force almost the people to look at what we are seeing. Yeah, I think uh, for me, I want to get to know a certain location and uh, a way to approach it for me is to really look into the details. And I think... Um, I just want to uh, create a space where we can look really closely and concentrate on this location and just take the, the viewer on a trip around, like wander around this space. So the video should function a bit like that. Um, and like you say, the, the pace is quite slow uh, because it gives time to reflect uh, and to make specific things connect with each other. Um, it's, it's, it's really interesting because it's really a soundscape, mm -hmm. what we just heard. The film is also showing a landscape or a cityscape. It's not even a cityscape, but I mean, in architecture, you have this term cityscape yeah. since well, 20 years probably now. So it was a bit in fashion and then it disappeared. Again. And this is maybe a cityscape. Mm -hmm. And the specific quality of it, which I find entirely intriguing, is that on the one hand, you are indeed focusing on details um, in architecture, but also on people, on pieces that are exhibited, because you're visiting an exhibition as well. And um, also, if you know the spot, you're bringing locations together, which are not directly 50 centimeters apart from each other, but there's like a kilometer in between or so. So you're, you're focusing on details, and at the same time, you create a distance. And I think what Bas just talked about, this, this slowing down is also creating this distance, including the fact that you're not working with moving images, but you're using photos, yeah. which you put into motion, yeah. which also gives this incredible slowness. It's by almost meditative or so. It's, it's really, and then the music is just like supporting it or so. 
Yeah. And, uh, do you trust these images all the time? Do you, do, is, it, is there a lot of controlling and recontrolling of it or does it work quite well? Is it your language that you already know quite well? Uh, you mean working with the still? With the images? stills and this mm -hmm. strange slowing down. And yeah, so I think in general, the works always wanted to go to a really concentrated uh, pace, almost like a thick air. <laughs> Um, or like a, yeah, different moments um, really packed together. Um, but since a while I've been working uh, uh, with still photography and making films out of uh, that material. Um, and I think, yeah, for this film, it was the first time that I used this digital tracking. So scanning the images, um, which opened up lots of new possibilities. So a photo can now um, evoke slowly its meaning, like you start in a corner and you slowly build up the image and also the information that you give to the to the viewer. Um, but this was the first time that I experimented mm. with this. Way. Maybe we have to give a short uh, insight in, in the actual images, just yeah. so uh, as we are talking about it, that maybe the listener can um, Imagine it a bit more. You're taking photos of, let's say, inside the architecture, which is, for example, um, like an, an exhibition space or whatever in this area. You are taking photos of actual cityscapes in the sense of the um, uh, model neighborhood, as you uh, call it in English, I think. Yeah. Or Delberg in the Netherlands, um, which is uh, a residential area, which was built shortly after 58, I believe. Yeah, the, the plans were presented during yeah. uh, Expo 58 so and we, it was realized yeah. later. And yeah. It's a really strange area. It's high-rise buildings or blocks which till today are uh, residential. So you're moving through these. You are also blending in some plans of the future buildings. Maybe we can talk about this a bit later. But in all this, this incredible slowness really does give an idea of details which sometimes seem detached of the overall situation. It's a bit like I thought about Alphaville and maybe mm -hmm. this is Betterville or I don't know in Brussels. Mm -hmm. But it's really strange because the people, there is there are people in the images sometimes, but they don't move because it's a, it's a photo. So yeah. they, they feel like frozen. Yeah. But at the same time, they get something very, very um, human and lost at the same time. And I like this first image very much yeah. when you start with. Yeah, jumping on that, it's, um, by looking at it, it always gives me this this uncanny feeling, like, and that's um, hopping on what, what you said. Like, in a way, you have the feeling that you look at a, some kind of a fake world, or I don't know if you have the same, but I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure what I'm looking at. Like, is this real? Is it not? Um, mm -hmm. Is it something, this, this atmosphere that you uh, wanted to grasp, or um, is, it, is it something that happened? Yeah, so uh, my interest in the location is actually that um, I was there and then I saw all these uh, uh, advertisements for the new modernization of this area. And it made me think of the history of this place and that it was actually always a almost like a, a blank piece of paper, a place where the future was projected on to... Uh, because during the world fairs that were held there, um, it was always about like presenting uh, new technologies and 
um, yeah, new ways of architecture for people to live. Uh, so in that sense, I thought it's interesting, like, what is this new phase of this area? Uh, what new future is projected on here? Um, and that was also why I chose to work with these uh, still images, because in a way for me, it was much more connecting to the history as well as the the printed advertisements of the future. So in a way, I treat all the images as the same. Um, and therefore I wanted to show maybe, yeah, the echoes of the past, how they are still visible uh, in the now and how already the now is slowly um, infiltrated by a coming future. Um, and I think in that sense, maybe also this detachment of, or this feeling of being lost, for me, it connects to this in between times or, um, yeah. And do you consider it as a critical work or are you just presenting us uh, the reality, like how it is? What's... Yeah, I think um, what I find interesting in, in the medium of film and video is that on the one hand, it maybe appears as a quite uh, objective or like almost mechanical eye. But of course, uh, yeah, my point of view and my um, personal uh, interpretation of the space is also really important, but I try to uh, keep a balance in that. And also uh, when I make a film about a place, I never know on the forehand uh, what the film will tell in the end. So I want to approach a place as open as possible. And so I'm not really looking forward or yeah, looking for to make a conclusion or to really um, be outspokenly critical. But I think all these thoughts are present. Mm -hmm. But I, it's quite subtle, mm -hmm. I think. And I, I hope to give people space to mm -hmm. look at the place uh, without pointing too directly. And I also don't uh, work with voiceovers, for example. So in a way, it's really like showing and giving mm -hmm. people time to think of something, think about uh, how they see it. And the funny thing is that sometimes you don't even know where this piece of architecture is coming from. I, I remember when I watched the movie, yeah. uh, the film, but at a certain point, I, I wasn't even for a second or so, I wasn't sure, is this a plan? Is it like a, an, an, a visual animation of what is supposed to be there in two years or so? Yeah. Or is it something which already exists? Because uh, even though they, they are not very sophisticated, these animations that the plan is used there, but sometimes it's, yeah. it's all fading. Yeah. And it's really, really funny if you think about this historical point of view, because 1935, I believe because all world expos were like this they focused on a possible positive future yeah but 1935 i mean we already had uh, fascism in italy of course nationalism in germany and so on so europe was pretty much already approaching uh, very very bad times and the war and then you have again 58 which was probably the most positive mm. idea that they could uh, yeah story that they could tell it was also the first World Fair after uh, the Second yeah. World War and really focusing on humanity or like creating a new human, humane future. Uh, and America and Rus Russia were uh, almost next to each other, the two yeah. pavilions, and it was already like the beginning of the tensions of this 
So it seemed like a bright future, but also there were clouds already. Uh, yeah, it's interesting that again, they probably yeah. just they took all these problems out and they focused on. Yeah. Maybe it was the last, the first and the last big expo that still had a quite unbroken, quite un, uh, foggy uh, uh, vision of a positive future, which yeah. is space age, etc. Because 10 years later they landed on the moon, but nevertheless, I mean, everything was already collapsing. Yeah. You could feel that. And, um, so that's really nice because in in this maybe that's what I like so much about this first image is you are showing um, people behind a glass balustrade actually like a like a it's like a glass fence and, and what makes this photo so strong or the image so strong is that there's a kit and it holds onto this glass and you can see the fingers but not only the fingers you see all the fingerprints of all the other people so yeah. it's really really strong because it's it's frozen, as I said, but at the same time, these strange fingerprints. Are, yeah. It's a bit the last individual <laughs> idea within that. Yeah. As traces. Sort of, yeah. But the same image you used for the light box, as I remember? Mm, it's the same location, yeah. but it's not the same yeah. image. Yeah. So what I did, because the the film is called Mall of Europe, um, after uh, the mall is that, that is going to be built on this uh, location. Um, and I was interested in this idea, uh, also this name, Mall of Europe, um, in context to the history of the World Fair. Um, and also that criticism on World Fairs uh, was that it slowly became much more commercial and almost like big bazaars, countries selling their um, uh, traditions as also cultural goods or stuff. Um, and in a way, I, I found it interesting that the final destination or the new destination of this place is then this mall of Europe um, as a link between that. Um, and the image you, you speak about is filmed in a shopping mall which is built on this location um, uh, as a, how do you say, like as a teaser for the big shopping mall. It was mall. a new project. Yeah. So they will uh, uh, destroy this shopping mall when the other one is there. I must say now there was lots of critique on this Mall of Europe, so I'm not sure if it will ever be built. Yeah, maybe um, it's also it's part of a bigger project which is called Neo. Yeah, which also is quite funny because, uh, well, it's it could refer to the Matrix. Yeah, of course, the word itself is really funny if you think about the positive ideas of 1958 and yeah. now something which is entirely commercial is called Neo, and they're um, like giving this this future idea. And it was also part of a huge project. Which included a stadium. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that is already cancelled because I couldn't agree on certain yeah. things. So, so this bright new future is already having some. Uh, yeah, was it important for you that I mean the, the history is already quite fascinating. The place itself is quite fascinating, but because Bas asked about the, the, the maybe political part mm -hmm. of this um, film, was it like a like a. Fantastic coincidence for you that actually the plans for the future are really something which you can only like encounter with a certain kind of skepticism or sarcasm. Does this mean a lot to you? This is mm. coming. Yeah, I think in general I uh, choose a location because I don't fully understand it or I don't fully agree with it. Um, but I want to overcome my own. Uh, uh, cynicism as well or like I think there's much more going on than only uh, plain critique or or um, 
and and what I wanted to look at is also like um, the imagery of a, of a projected future also says something about what we want now or what we wish for. Um, so I think, yeah, it's more uh, an open interest than that I want to, yeah, uh, make it quite singular and and yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be negative. No, exactly. But I think yeah, it also lays bare certain problems within this space, or also problems with um, a quite dominating uh, image of the future, which is excluding many people uh, that are also part of society. Like it's quite often a luxurious white uh, space, um, which is, yeah, I think we can question if, if the future shouldn't be more inclusive or also, yeah, you could take it a step further than I think what is presented now. And I think also by all the critique that different aspects of this plan got um, society is reacting back on on the plans yeah. and do you think it's always present in your videos that you try to grasp a world that feels far away from you or that you don't understand is it is it a main thing that you often work with or play with yeah yeah i think it's quite a um yeah i almost always choose places where without a camera i wouldn't go to <laughs> um but i'm i'm interested in in trying to uh how do you say like also get over my my mm -hmm. first uh, um preassumptions and um i want to learn something from it mm. yeah and what, and what does this camera do to you that it gives you this uh, possibility to to be able to do that yeah so I always film in, in public space, but when I'm filming, uh, it feels like I'm part of the crowd, but the camera creates almost like a private space uh, within this public space. And for me, it creates a space where I can uh, think about what is happening. Mm -hmm. And I find it difficult to do that as a person without a camera. But So this camera has the quality that it creates a distance always. Yeah. Um, and maybe therefore I don't like to film things that I fully agree with mm -hmm. or think are really beautiful in itself because I don't want to detach myself mm -hmm. from it. And maybe this, yeah. Yeah. No, it makes me think of, because I, we are both from the Bulls and there they uh, celebrate Carnival. It remembers me of like when I was a child and uh, or even as a teenager, I also always dressed up. And by be dressed up, all of a sudden I was uh, allowing myself to do things that I would usually not do. So it makes mm -hmm. me a little bit think of that, like that you almost like dress yourself <laughs> in a way. And then because of that, you are able to do things that you would usually not do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think yeah, that's uh, a nice uh, idea. And I think for me, it's, it's mainly also trying to uh, shut myself off from too many uh noises or things and and just a way to focus as a kind of a filter yeah exactly yeah yeah does it do you have the feeling that um just a tiny step further but uh from what 
you just said, but that the camera gives you the right to be there. Is it easier to move with the camera in the hand so that um, all of a sudden you have like a legitimation to be in this spot or so? But sorry, but is it? Are you actually ever moving around what you just said, or is it? Are you always placing it, like stem? Mm. Yeah. So, like in previous work, I I worked with moving I moving image. Like I've always filmed, um, but then I worked often with a tripod. So it was really, um, and then a combination of different positions. But like filming from a still uh, point of view. Uh, but with the photography, I'm move much easier easier but of course the image has a fixed fixed position um do people react to you film do you are you questioning them what are you doing i mean is there like an interaction with the location that you are filming in this strange distance non-distance situation um not that much strangely um and also in this film you rarely see uh, a real person like most of the people are or photos of people or these animations um so the people are are not like the um the main actors in the film uh so maybe that that is also uh why i wasn't so confronted with um because for yeah. some of the images i was really surprised that you could even take them i remember that i was taking photos in in cologne quite a while ago in a huge store mm -hmm. and after like the first five photos I was asked to leave yeah because it's private grounds I'm not 100% sure it's how true. this works in the area of uh, the high zone to see it's true yeah. the name of the area and yes one of Europe yeah um, if this is private ground of the fair definitely if you're inside some building mm -hmm. so it's, it's like a difficult situation to film there. it's true I must say um, when making footage in the shopping mall, I was eventually asked to leave. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and then I did, and I came back another time, and <laughs> yeah. So I, I know it's, it's in a way a bit just mm -hmm. doing and then seeing how far you can go, but yeah. Do you often cross borders in your work? Or with what you just said, like uh, that you're crossing borders, but uh, they asked you to leave and then you come back? Are you? more often searching for this edge or border um yeah i think when i'm making a film and i at a certain point really know what i need i will just <laughs> <laughs> like in that sense it's maybe like you say with the carnival uh dress like i i dare to do more uh with this camera and especially when i need something for the film i dare to ask for it or just do it um, which I would find more difficult to do something mm -hmm. for myself as a person, but like for the work, yeah, you but need when, to sometimes. Uh, when this need is so strong, yeah, then exactly. it's, it's like almost come like an obsession. Or yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> then I just need the image. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I have a technical question, maybe just in between, because there's mm -hmm. a lot of questions and actually I'm already in a like, crossover of artists' work and. Uh, um, agency and, and social meaning and so on. But just a tiny technical question which is concerning this distancing. Um, I'm, I really don't know much about technical parts of films. Did you rework the, the film images a lot? I had the feeling that some of them were unpixeled, repixeled, mm -hmm. I don't know. So some of them are really strangely reworked in the 
yeah. the appearance of secure visuals. So I try in general in my work not to do too many after effects. Um, and I think what you refer to is then I made a photo of a photo or an advertisement, for example, and then you see this. There's uh, some kind of blurring. Yeah, the, the blurring or, or really close up uh, digital zoom or something. You can get more of these pixels. Uh, but it's the way that I took the photo. So mm. I try not to. Uh, and and another one, but it sounds like I'm a detective on this, but <laughs> it was fascinating me because I even checked if it was perfectly parallel to the screen and so on because I didn't understand it. There is a photo or like a passage in the film, which is a moving photo um, of a, a poster uh, advertising a flight to uh, Egypt. And you move from the bottom where you see the Sphinx up to the plane, which is really flying above the Sphinx. And then it's moving into the sky and there's a huge pixeled spot. I had the feeling that you took something out of it. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Because I was yeah. wondering if you were reworking. So yeah. Now I know only, what you're referring to. It's yeah. the only spot in the entire film where I was asking myself in how far, and that's actually why I'm asking this. Yeah, I'm yeah, not interested yeah. in pixels at all, but I'm asked, I was asking myself in how far I can trust the images. Yeah. So we get to the question not only on what you show, yeah. but only also on the way you work with it, how much I can trust a photo, a film, and so on. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. Like for this film, I took out actually quite a lot of um, words, for example, or like, um, so I think language is quite an important line in the film as well. But all the things that I show for me are important and all the things that I didn't want to show, I just um, photoshopped it. So it's true, I worked, yeah. we worked on this. Um, it's super interesting because you also have a scene much before that one where you have a very strong typography in the images. Yeah. I think it's something written on one of the stories of the, of the building or whatever. But then you see, oh, okay, sometimes you have really clear letters. Yeah. I'm fascinated by images of typography and how these two are brought in and on some other spots it takes them out so yeah actually yeah i wanted to gain more agency on that like yeah. that i'm the person who chooses what is being uh set in the in this public space um not by adding text but only to yeah like select you know, in a way yeah but this yeah. insecurity that i got from there that mm -hmm. i cannot even trust the images within the film anymore yeah. is really is something it's really fascinating, it's positive, I think, but it's strong also. Yeah, no, it's, I understand what you say. But connecting these two, like how the images of paint and, and uh, the, um, you allow yourself uh, as soon as you have the camera. And I'm curious about, uh, are you already looking at the image uh, before you start filming or uh, do you start looking at an image while you look through this camera? Um, no, you know, yeah, yeah. I think I always look through the camera, and I'm also aware that the camera gives me uh, another view on the place than that I would have when I would walk there uh, without a camera. Like, um, so I, I search for images uh, by means of the camera. Yeah. So it's first the the place itself that caught your interest. And you're not yet thinking about the imagery. Yeah. But then this imagery starts when, when looking through this camera. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you have the second phase in the editing. The images open up many more 
new possibilities again like when i'm zooming into an image uh, i can create a new image from the image that i made so uh yeah it's like a close up almost <laughs> like the film that you yeah yeah but it's, it's the, the choice of images the way of manipulating them which is not so clear from the beginning it just yeah. feels like you're slowing them down and choosing very carefully the frame But now that you just uh, admitted that yeah. you're also manipulating them, it, it's really funny because, of course, you are creating an old, uh, an own visual world, which fits to this content yeah. of the of the film very, very strongly, and um, which was also creating worlds actually. And uh, I also have to think of um, Playtime by Jacques Tati, mm. not because it's. I mean, totally different genre but especially about this advertisement for Egypt which I saw because I, I don't know if you know that in playtime they have this one they go to this travel agency and you see in the background you see always the same high-rise building yeah. but once it says Rio once it says yeah. Egypt once it says yeah. I don't know what so it's also playing about what people wish what other desires and what they yeah. where they are headed for and there it's all uniform yeah and here in your films actually at least in three different times Yeah. You're also reflecting on what people wish for yeah. or might wish for or what the kind of project developer thinks that people wish for if we exactly. talk about a new project. Yeah. And in that sense, it's also where I saw this relation between the world fairs. Um, because the moment you're talking about is actually a, a fair that I visited in the expo fair halls. Mm. So it's a building which was left over from the World Expo of uh, 35. And now it's being used for big um, fairs on all kinds of things. But I visited uh, three fairs that were interesting for me in relation to uh, the environment. Uh, and so I visited the, the holiday fair. Um, and I thought it was interesting. So this was a current poster. They're still yeah. selling Egypt like that. Yeah, yeah. it was Funny. just in the year that I was filming. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, it, it laid bear this development that took place after 58 until now that at the time uh, people didn't travel so much and then you had this world fair that brings the whole world to you um, and now of course yeah things have changed a lot and people travel the whole world and now come to a travel fair to decide on the next holiday mm. but still all these countries are presenting themselves and um, in a almost similar way as a world fair but of course yeah with also lots of changes uh, mm, maybe a question for the both of you because i'm curious now about it when i hear about this fair and um, where, where did it actually started this idea of the fair like, um, a world fair yeah or, or more in more general because from in these times we're living in you have what you just say the holiday fair and uh, all these these fairs but um For me, it feels like uh, it was quite a moment in time that these things started, but maybe... Yeah, I don't know if you want to answer Yeah, I, I, well, um, I, I have some books on that, which mm. I never studied carefully enough to say when it really, really started. But uh, the main high time of these fairs is in the late 19th century. And like in Brussels, was really a hotspot. We had all these fairs also because Brussels was celebrating always the 50th birthday and I don't know what. Mm. And at the beginning, it was still industrial fairs, industrial and art actually, or let's say um, art-related um, kind of works. And so they presented all this stuff. 
in the late 19th century and at a certain time they, they started with the World Expo. I think the most important big fair, I don't know if there were ones, some before already, I think Paris was quite early already, maybe already around 1800, but one of the most important ones was in 1851 in London. And from there it was, because it's also time of nation building, every nation wanted to show what they really can do and show their power. And so it's around 1900 when it really yeah. goes up. Yeah. And 1935 and 58 is, is then already like, mm. they already have a routine and then you can put it into the historical times. So yeah, and exactly. Is that something you also uh, researching yourself then? Or is it something uh, you keep distance from to keep an open view on the place you're looking at? No, no, it was for me uh, a reason to research this history and this topic. Um, so, yeah, for the last projects, quite often I start quite blank with a, a place, but then research and reading goes hand in hand with uh, revisiting the space. And by reading on this topic, for me, certain aspects became more valuable, mm -hmm. which I would otherwise not put in relation to each other. So for me, it's it's important to, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's really, um, what you say also with the, with the other works, it's, 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 it's a place you don't understand or it feels far away. So it's also a way to be, to come closer to this world you don't understand by researching mm -hmm. it. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The film was done in 2018, right? It was yeah. finished more or less in 2018. It was presented uh, maybe in different spots that I don't know, but um, last time it was presented in a big show was in your show in Ostend. Yeah. Which started in February or so? Yeah, just before the Yeah, lockdown. it was just that's what, what yeah, I wanted because I, yeah. I didn't see it because I wanted to go and then it was April and everything mm. was closed down. It was a bit difficult to go. Yeah. So actually it was just the show was just overlapping the start of COVID and the pandemics. And that is what I wanted to ask. Did the film in retrospect change for you with the pandemic? Because all three periods are about selling dreams. There's a lot about traveling to some imaginary spot which doesn't exist and so on. Yeah. Um, but it's also, not only this film, all your other films or several of your other films are also about the city. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Europe, the Mall of Europe is, is a concept which is totally out of time. I mean, it's the mm -hmm. most stupid thing that you can do right now to build a shopping mall. Yeah. Uh, we should have quit doing stuff like that like 10 or 15 or 20 yeah. years ago. So it's really funny. Did, this film and maybe your other films get a different connotation with COVID, with the pandemic? I think so, yeah. And I think also a new work, what I'm working on is revisiting these places that I made films in before, uh, but then during the lockdown. And I think, yeah, inevitably, um, this really gives these spaces another meaning. Uh, and also this maybe quite, um, how do you say, like, aggressive demand of how this new future should look like and and maybe these big wishes that we have uh yeah we have to see the world in a different way and i think um yeah this time criticizes this imaginary uh imagery uh yeah it's also kind of funny that um because it presents a world that we, uh, yeah, in the future, and but by by this whole COVID, um, nationwide, but also more on a on a on a local level, mm -hmm. also uh, 
at least it was here in Brussels that people say buy local again. So it yeah. also go actually back in a shelter and it's yeah you see it on a national level or national level mm. but also on the, on a more smaller scale so it's, it's yeah. funny that it's all covered uh, yeah um, yeah and i think yeah like in the recent films it's quite a lot focusing on city planning and um but yeah this pandemic also shows that we can't plan everything and can't control the future um how bright we make it look like <laughs> Um, yeah. I, I remember the film, which is much shorter, it's like seven, eight minutes, maybe less, even soon, in yeah. the film of yours, about a, a project in the northern part of Brussels. And that's actually what you're saying. The city itself is changing. So that was yeah. done in 2019, probably, or is it in yeah. order? So, but also before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting to see that because, I mean, we don't need all these office spaces anymore. Yeah. Like people are building in, in Brussels. And, so, well, there's a chance in it as well. Maybe you can use the buildings for other stuff. Are you reflecting on that with the current work or what are you working on right now? Yeah, so I, uh, it's just in a very early stage, but I, um, during the lockdown, I made long walks every day in a totally deserted city here. It was really, um, and also in a similar way that, um, I was just using this camera to try to get a grip on what was happening. And um, at the time, I, I didn't feel it was material I would use or I, I didn't feel I could say something about it already. But I think reflecting now um, on it, there, uh, there are things that I want to uh, look into. But you're more in the collecting stage at the moment. Yeah, I'm now looking at what I collected and then seeing if there is a work in it or not. Uh, but I, I think so. Looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Emma. Yes, thanks for nice. the interview. Thank you. Yeah. 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 And for everybody who wants to uh, listen to it on the elves, uh, 11th, yeah. Yeah. The 11th, my German is coming in. The 11th of October in, in Ghent, maybe you want to say it again? Where yeah, in a Duivelstein, which is a, a medieval cellar in Ghent. Uh, so I look forward to project this modernist dreams in yeah. a medieval where setting. The, where can the tickets? So where can you book? Do you know for the people at <laughs> Duivelstein <laughs> website? <laughs> Maybe she put a link in bio. <laughs> and, and your yeah. film will be shown, and it will be live yeah. music. And Maxime Luca will do a live set. So all welcome, but there are only fifty places. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. we're looking out for it. Yeah, thanks again. Thank, Thank you. Listening to Radio Level 5.